transmitting live from the heart of Times Square on 99.5 FM, WBAI New York, Pacifica Radio for the Tri-State Area. This is Trump Watch, a weekly series examining how President Donald J. Trump and his administration are changing the world we live in. I'm your host, Jesse Lent. I think Trump is a dangerous president, but if all we do is focus on him, we lose. Our job is to develop an agenda that speaks to the needs of workers. When we do that, we're going to win and win big. That was Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, candidate for president in the 2020 election, speaking in a town hall on Fox News on April 15th. Sanders' decision to appear on the cable news network, often criticized as being a mouthpiece for the Republican Party, was praised by many of his supporters as a savvy move to reach out to Trump voters. With 2020 presidential hopefuls Mayor Pete Buttigieg and Senator Amy Klobuchar following in his footsteps with their own announcements of town halls on the cable news network. However, For one specific Fox News viewer, Senator Sanders' appearance received a cold reception. So weird to watch crazy Bernie on Fox News, President Trump tweeted the morning after the Sanders town hall. Not surprisingly, Brett Baer and the audience was so smiley and nice. Very strange. The president tweeted about the Bernie Sanders town hall again that evening, asking, quote, what's with Fox News? Well... Here to help us attempt to answer that question is Daniel Lipman. We spoke just before this broadcast. Joining me now is Daniel Lipman, a reporter for Politico and one of the three authors behind the publication's Daily Playbook newsletter. He also co-wrote the article with colleague Eliana Johnson entitled Trump's Fox News Love Fest Hits a Rough Patch. Hello, Daniel. Welcome to Trump Watch. Thanks so much for taking some time for us today. Thanks for having me. President Trump has always been considered a loyal Fox News viewer, as a great number of his tweets regarding their programming would seem to support. How often has the president criticized the network before this instance you report on in his presidency? So uh, he periodically criticizes the network for, uh, you know, its reporting style uh, and some of the hosts on air. Uh, and he also just doesn't give that many interviews to the Fox News news side hosts, uh, people like Brett Baer, who uh, have uh, hadn't had a presidential interview in 300 plus days. Uh, and he also criticizes the management of the channel uh, because uh, they uh, sometimes have to suspend people for uh, insensitive remarks to Muslims and uh, other uh, controversies that uh, they have to address, and that just does not, uh, you know, go with Trump's kind of uh, political correctness gone amok uh, style. So, how is this particular instance different? I think the difference here is that it's really sustained criticism uh, of the network uh, and. You know, many Trump observers think that it's kind of a way to tell Fox News that they should, uh, you know, get their hosts in check and ensure that they are not uh, doing anything that, uh, you know, uh, criticizes the president. And so Trump kind of has a thin skin. He almost expects the network to be his state-run propaganda arm, and he is surprised when they uh, criticize him on a number of fronts. 
What do you think it was about the Bernie Sanders town hall that seemed to strike such a nerve with the president? I think he didn't like the fact that they gave Bernie Sanders, who could be, who could very well be Trump's opponent at the 2020 uh, election, this whole stage for an hour to expound on his views and to criticize the president. He also thought the questions were, uh, you know, too easy on Sanders and that they treated uh, Bernie uh, too nicely. Uh, and he also falsely said things, some things about the audience and who was picked to be in that audience. Fox News defended uh, how they picked it and said they weren't, you know, trying to, uh, you know, sway it one way or another. That they were genuinely trying to make it uh, a uh, an audience that reflected the community where it was. And that was one of Trump's main complaints, at least via Twitter, was that he made a claim that his own supporters couldn't get into the Bernie Sanders town hall. Yeah, there's no evidence that uh, that actually took place. Uh, and, you know, Fox was very clear that uh, they had kind of a lottery and that people, you know, they looked at local political uh, groups to get members uh, for the audience members. Uh, and so just like many other Trump claims that did not stand up to scrutiny uh, for what he tweeted. You report in your Politico article that, quote, long fraught relations between the news side of Fox and its opinion arm have grown more tense in the Trump era. Can you explain why that is and what it's meant for the network's coverage? Opinion hosts often think that their news colleagues aren't actually making much news uh, and that you know, mainstream news organizations, that they are actually getting all the scoops and, you know, what's the last big story that uh, Fox News uh, reporters broke. And that's also tough because they are a conservative network. And so, you know, to report on a Republican administration just is always complicated. Um, and then the news side folks think that the opinion hosts uh, are uh, making, you know, doing, uh, you know, too much uh, favorable coverage of Trump. And so it's, it's very easy uh, to, you know, make it uh, a, a way for, uh, you know, Trump to kind of separate the two. And so if he gets criticized by the news side folks, uh, he can kind of point to uh, it and say, well, uh, you know, the uh, Fox News uh, is, you know, going off the deep end uh, and is not loyal to me anymore and that they lack credibility but he can still go to the opinion host and still uh, lap up their coverage. To put things in perspective here, how is Trump's interaction and uh, relationship with Fox News different from President Obama's with MSNBC seen as the liberal counterpart to Fox News? Yeah, I think they, people, all people often compare Fox to MSNBC and how they speak to uh, both sides of the political spectrum. But MSNBC seems to be less dogmatic in, in their praise of their side compared to Fox News. And so, uh, you know, hosts like Chris Matthews and Ryan Williams, they are much more willing to criticize Democrats or liberals when they, uh, you know, don't get it right. And so, uh, and while Sean Hannity doesn't seem to really lift a finger much to criticize anything that Trump does. And remember, Hannity talks to President Trump a lot. And so they have this, this back channel and Trump 
as kind of the programmer in chief and wanting to get uh, what he wants to watch on television. Yes. Tell our listeners a little bit more about Sean Hannity's role in the Trump administration. Well, they've known each other for a long time. Trump has appeared on the show uh, a bunch of different times, both during his presidency and uh, before. And uh, Sean Hannity is someone that Trump looks to for policy advice, for uh, getting kind of the, uh, you know, a way to keep his base in line. Um, uh, and, you know, Hannity gets access to the most influential viewer in the world. And so that's good for advertising as well. Since Trump is making all these different uh, policy moves that affect uh, business worldwide. I think a lot of Americans, at least those on the left, still envision the Roger Ailes era at Fox with some sort of Republicans, Fengali at the top of the pyramid, the political mastermind directing things. But Ailes, of course, died back in 2017 and had left Fox the previous year to serve as an advisor for the Trump campaign. Can you explain how the structure at Fox has changed following the death and uh, departure of Roger Ailes? You know, it's hard to say because it's kind of a black box in there. But Ailes really drove a hard line of, uh, of being a populist, uh, you know, messenger for uh, his viewers uh, and driving that narrative um, to uh, in the channel as, be- as best he could. Uh, and you know, at the same time, now with Rupert Murdoch basically retired, his sons are much more liberal, but they also have a channel that appeals to their conservative viewers. And so they don't want to mess with success. They make a lot of money off it. And so they're not going to put in their liberal views as much, but they definitely uh, are more sensitive, uh, say with the Janine Pirro matter that they might not have suspended that person uh, if Ailes was still in charge. This is Judge Jean Pirro uh, suspended yeah. for comments that she made on Muslims, right? Correct. She, um, question the patriotism of a Muslim member of Congress, Muslim American member of Congress. Uh, and for that, she got a two-week suspension, and Trump was very mad that they even took her off the air for two weeks. Uh, and, you know, at that same time, he was criticizing the weekend news anchors at Fox uh, for uh, being slightly critical of his White House. Do you believe that Roger Ailes' role on the Trump campaign at the end of his life has led to the president's apparent feeling of control over the network? Yeah, Trump seems to kind of get this, uh, you get the sense that he's like the, uh, he wants a job as a Fox PR person. They have plenty of other people that do PR for them, but, uh, you know, he has carved out this role where he likes to give advice to the network. He likes to talk about what the network is doing all the time, what, uh, you know, he thanks the network uh, for covering issues that he likes. And so it's just like constant, you know, he's like a media critic. I, I often write about media and he's kind of joined my ranks as a, as a media journalist uh, and one who's very uh, pro Fox News. I'm speaking with Daniel Lipman, a reporter for Politico and one of the three authors behind the publication's daily playbook newsletter. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. Daniel, the 2004 documentary Outfoxed 
describes a culture at Fox News where journalists were compelled to do stories favorable to the Republican perspective, uh, expressed through daily memos, reportedly even sometimes coming from Ailes and Rupert Murdoch personally. Do you know of anything similar to that system still exists at Fox News? There is definitely edicts to, uh, you know, on just on like basically how they want to cover the news, but we don't know exactly if it's uh, the same exact way that they used to do it under Ailes and Murdoch. Uh, it could just be that they are, you know, operated as normal journalists with editors saying, well, let's cover these stories today. Let's not cover this. Uh, you know, the same thing that Jeff Zucker does at CNN and the New York Times editor uh, and, you know, editors at Politico. Uh, but they do, the opinion hosts they do seem to kind of hit all the same messages uh, frequently. And so one has to wonder, like, in the hallways at Fox, are they kind of sharing ideas and saying, I'll do this one and you'll do this story and, um, and you know, let's both do these stories. And so uh, that is definitely an interesting element of, you know, how much top-down, uh, you know, directives are there uh, about Fox coverage. You spoke to White House Press Secretary Sarah Sanders for this article. Do you get any sense through your reporting if everyone at the White House actually agrees with her statement that, quote, the coverage of the president is 90 percent negative? Or is this just the official White House line as is coming from the president himself? Uh, Sarah Sanders represents the president well with what he wants. You know, she's lasting this job much longer than Trump fights her. Uh, but I don't think that she's right in that 90% of coverage is negative or critical or wrong or whatever. I think uh, most coverage is pretty good. Uh, and, you know, uh, there's always a few instances where there's errors in people's stories or stories are wrong. But generally, the thrust of reporting is, is amazing on this presidency. And so I don't think uh, I would not agree with her on uh, on. You know, critic on this on our criticism of the media here. And you're not, uh, to media, be clear, you're not just talking about at Fox. You're talking about across the media landscape. Yeah, across the media landscape, reporters have done, uh, you know, yeoman's work to cover this unprecedented presidency and the amount of news that he generates. And so, um, I would push back on on that, uh, you know, a little bit. And do you think that opinion is shared within the administration or just merely charged rhetoric? I think she has a job to defend Trump and to criticize the media's coverage. And so she's doing that job. But if you talk to a lot of uh, you know, other people in the administration and the White House, they think the coverage has mostly been uh, you know, good in terms of the facts, although they do think that there's too much coverage of some, some things and that not enough of their policy initiatives are uh, getting uh, attention. And so that's definitely something that uh, they would you know, think that the media should do better on. Although the president, of course, himself has been criticized for shifting the focus through tweets and uh, other methods, such as during Infrastructure Week, where he was tweeting about anything other than infrastructure. Yeah, he's really stepped in it uh, all the time, uh, and he doesn't actually do a uh, good job of staying on message, uh, as described by his communications directors, which he doesn't even have uh, because Bill Shine left. So he doesn't have a current communications director. Yeah, and, and Shine, Shine used to work for Fox News, you know, as a top executive. And so, uh, you know, and Trump was reportedly uh, unhappy with uh, what he 
uh, get in the job and not get enough press coverage that was positive. As you mentioned before, Chris Wallace is one of the reporters at Fox uh, most often seen as a so-called dissenting voice, perhaps attempting in his own way to deliver on the fair and balanced motto that the network officially stopped using back in 2017. There are times that Chris Wallace appears to refuse to stick to the script other anchors on the network have been given. Do you know at all if this type of on-screen behavior from Wallace is actually something that rankles network executives at Fox News, or if they just consider it simply Chris being Chris? I think they consider it actually good for the network because they, uh, you know, they get to point to him and say, well, he's doing a good job and he's respected by the mainstream media and others and Democrats and Republicans. And so, you know, you should cover Fox critically here. Um, so he's kind of a, a nice shield for them. Uh, and that has been interesting to watch as they kind of use him as a prop to say that, uh, you know, his good journalism and his, his tough questions of everyone, especially Trump officials, that they, um, you know, that kind of he is a protector of their brand. Shepard Smith is another voice on the network who often gets tagged as being uh, an opposing view. Are there any major ideological differences you can see between Shepard Smith and Chris Wallace? Um, I don't watch the network enough to kind of divine uh, the, the ideological or journalistic differences between uh, Shep and Chris. Uh, but one gets the sense that they... Uh, you know, share a lot of the same journalistic ethics in terms of being good reporters uh, and, you know, kind of uh, doing uh, good work in, uh, in holding journalism accountable. In his 2017 book, The People Are Going to Rise Like the Waters Upon Your Shore, Jared Yates Sexton posits the idea that Donald Trump effectively replaced Fox News as the center of information Republicans, uh, center of information for Republicans, that is, starting with his feud with former Fox News host Megyn Kelly after the first Republican primary debate. He goes on to say, quote, this allowed Trump to cast Fox News in the same crooked media pool as its competitors, a move that eventually inoculated him from his myriad of scandals as his supporters no longer trusted anyone who reported negative stories about their candidate. Do you agree with Yates that President Trump no longer really needs Fox News? And in which case, why does he seem to spend so much time watching it and tweeting about it? That's where he gets his information. He doesn't like oral briefings or written briefings by aides or experts. Um, you know, he, he really gets tired of them. Uh, and so, you know, he's kind of giving his daily feedback of, uh, you know, his information system. And so I think he still needs Fox News because they speak to his, his base and they're still going to watch uh, long after he's no longer president. And so he wants to keep his base on, on his side. Uh, and wants to shape the coverage as much as he can uh, to, uh, you know, help his favorability numbers and his re-election prospects in 2020. Looking beyond the scope of your article, as someone who reports on D.C. in extreme nuance for the Playbook newsletter, if Fox's for support for the president is indeed waning, how do you think that could affect the outcome of the Mueller report, for example? It's hard to say that there's going to be a huge connection between that because the impact of the Mueller report will, you know, 
resonate in the halls of Congress and among Democrats, no matter what Fox says or does. And so um, you know, the general consensus is that Trump is not going to get impeached and that Republicans don't support it. And people like Pelosi uh, are you know, pushing back on it. Um, but, uh, you know, beyond that, Fox is kind of a non-factor in how Mueller went about his work and also the impact of uh, the report on the country and Trump's presidency. What about the 2020 election? Oh, I think it's interesting to watch uh, Democratic candidates like uh, Bernie Sanders and uh, Mayor Pete and Amy Klobuchar. They're starting to do these town halls that Fox is hosting. And so they're trying to reach some of Trump's viewers uh, who are both Democrats and also thinking uh, ahead to, towards the 2020 general election where they'll have to win over some of uh, Trump's uh, you know, base uh, and people who voted for him and Fox News viewers. And so it's a smart play by those Democrats who want to expand their uh, nexus of uh, voters for you know, the 2020 field and campaign. Back in January, Adweek reported that in 2018, Fox News was the most watched cable network for the third straight year. Clearly, something is working for Fox News. Why do you personally believe the network continues to be such a ratings juggernaut in a way that even CNN or MSNBC are not? I think how entertaining it is uh, is pretty helpful for uh, the network. It's very compelling to watch, and it's, you know, and remember, they, the sex factor, uh, sex sells. And if you watch uh, a new documentary about Roger Ailes, or about Roger Ailes, uh, I think it's called Divide and Conquer, you'll see exactly what uh, his strategy was, where, you know, even the anchor death, the, their glass, and, uh, you know, it's empty underneath the desk. And so uh, viewers can see kind of the legs of female uh, anchors. Uh, and he had a very, Roger Ailes had a very particular look of the anchors who would get hired. Uh, you know, they had to be conventionally attractive uh, and often blonde. Uh, and of course, this goes without saying that uh, he was a big sexual harasser and uh, even, you know, uh, you know, was one of those people taken down by Me Too um, and Fox News paid, you know, millions, tens of millions of dollars to settle claims against Ailes. And so it kind of migrated uh, his obsession with uh, women and sex that migrated into, uh, you know, all parts of Fox. And so, uh, you know, if you're a, uh, you know, guy living in uh, uh, parts of America where you want to get entertained uh, and you want to get your news, then you kind of can get both with watching Fox News. And so uh, don't, that's a very important factor, but also just it, it makes for, they like the conflict reporting and, uh, and it's, you know, it's compelling, uh, you know, it's very compelling uh, viewing material. And they have continued that particular practice following the departure of Ailes. Yeah, that's not, they're not going to like, you know, tell Fox female anchors to, now you have to like dress like nuns. So uh, that is not in the cards. And so you kind of sign up for that if you became, become an anchor at Fox. Finally, in the last minute we have here, 
Where do you see the tension at Fox between the opinion and news segments of the network heading? You report that one primetime employee casually refers to the news side of the network as the resistance. Yeah, it's definitely going to heat up. And I think uh, maybe in a Democratic administration after Trump, it will cool down a little bit. But there's definitely going to be still uh, wars between the Fox News opinion hosts and the uh, news side and kind of being rivals and also just having a different philosophy on how to cover the news. Uh, and so that is a theme that we should all keep a close eye on if, uh, you know, if this is going to keep happening in terms of Trump criticizing Fox. And then we'll have to watch if Fox responds by kind of being more pro-Trump in some of their news coverage. That's an open question. Thank you so much. Thank you. I've been speaking with Daniel Lipman, a reporter for Politico and one of the authors behind the publication's daily playbook newsletter. He co-wrote the April 17th article with colleague Ileana Johnson entitled Trump's Fox News Love Fest Hits a Rough Patch. You're listening to Trump Watch. My name is Jesse Lent. That's all for this week. Reggie Johnson engineered this program live. You can hear all 113 episodes of Trump Watch with Jesse Lent at soundcloud.com slash trumpwatchwbai or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be preempted next Wednesday for WBAI special programming, but please join us the following Wednesday, May 8th at 6.30 p.m. when we'll break down a different aspect of the Donald Trump administration. Until then, I'm your host, Jesse Lent. Talk to you next time. I was just talking, talking.